This podcast contains adult content, so if you've got little ears in the car, you may want to turn it down. We also go deep into the emotional, spiritual, and energetic worlds, so please open your hearts and proceed with care. As soon as your outer vestments are in hand, I know you're easy. Even when you're woo woo woo. Welcome to the Woo Woo Verse. It is your personal portal into the world of the magical and fantastical and wonderful. I am one of your hosts. I'm Curie and I'm Lynette. And we're intuitives. We're energy readers and dealers and channels. And look, just. To be really frank, we're woo-woo AF, and we are here to help you get into your woo-woo AF-ness as well. In the last few podcasts, we've really been working our way through the gates of perception of the body, through the chakras. We've been developing a language and an understanding of the energy system of the body. And this week, we want to go a little bit further. Now that we've got all that information, we want to talk about how to use it, right? Yeah. We now kind of head into a place where we need to understand the language of energy. And we have this awareness of these centers And once we can get the language right, it's like learning to drive a car. It's like you learn how to get that coordination happening and the world suddenly opens up even further. We're talking in this episode about things like as symbolic sight, intuition, the power of prayer, um, how to connect with this energy, how to understand it, how to use it. Have you ever learnt, besides the language of energy, have you ever learnt another language? Oh, I've tried. I'm one of those people that has several really, really hard, right? short, sharp phrases in lots of languages because yeah, I've yep. never been able to deep dive enough into one. German was the language of my school. And Genau. Yeah. Handschuller's, um, one of my favourite German words. Handschuller. That is a really good word. Uh, yep, gloves. Um and I can sing a few songs, like a nursery rhyme or two in languages. But it, yes, it is a, it's my alternative language was always energy. Yeah, because it is, again, learning this language of energy frequency, it is a bit like learning another language. You've got to mm. do practice and repetition and be a bit silly at it mm. and maybe sound a bit silly and maybe not fully understand what's being said for a while, um, but practice Practice makes kind of perfect here as well. Practice brings brings in the understanding. So how do we get more connected to use our energy um, and to direct our lives? How do we cultivate this? So funny because I was thinking about how I sort of became more fluent in this whole world. And one of the things that happened to me was I went to uni and in my university studies, I studied film and how stories get made and When you look at film directing, right, it's light, it's action, it's sound, it's movement and directions and symbolism and what they call mise-en-scene or the setting of the scene. And so you look at a film but then you break it down into all this sort of contextual layer and I loved it. I loved reading books and pulling it apart and working out, you know, why what they call a motif followed a character or a certain song appeared every time a character walked into shot and how mm. that impacted the audience. It's a lot like that. We have to learn to read our world at a symbolic level. We have to learn to see it 
from a different perception as we've been talking about. But equally, we've got to learn to pick up a telephone line to a whole other frequency that we can actually live completely shut off to most of the time. And start speaking. Yeah, 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 right. Start speaking and start listening. It's fascinating, I think, because the language of energy or the language of light or the language of the spirit world works 100% in frequency, vibration, temperature, sign, symbols. It does not speak human language the way we do. I think the spirit world have got very good at telepathically using language. So once you've been doing this work for a while, especially as a medium or a clairvoyant, you literally start to get whole sentences and script running through like you're receiving information through an earpiece. But to start with, it is literally the chills or the flash of light or association of symbol, constant reoccurring symbols. One of the things I can tell you from having worked in between these dimensions and kind of being the communication channel between the dimensions is that what happens is they see us as our spiritual form. So they don't see us as the physical form. They don't necessarily know what clothes you're wearing unless those clothes have a color or vibration or frequency in them they basically see us as a cluster of color and energy and almost like a star system and each one of us has kind of one of those auric star systems that they're looking and reading and connecting into they would know me by my color energy vibration I probably look completely you know like a mini supernova as you would as everyone would and the spirit world recognize that frequency and vibration. So they can't walk through that. They can walk into it if you don't have that gold color of protection around you or you don't have a lot of energy pushing outwards, which is why we talk about protection and color all the time when we associate with that. For example, for things like tables and walls, they'll just work, walk straight through that. That doesn't have any color or frequency or living vibration around it. So to them it's neutral it's nothing and then when we're communicating there'll be sort of the sound or I'll get a drawing of something or I'll get a vision or I will um, see something for example like uh, they might hold up a banana and then I'll have to ask is that banana an allergy does that person need more potassium did the person eat bananas this morning Mm. and it's kind of a way of asking the next step so I can get the information and a really well-versed medium knows how to do that, knows how to ask the questions and get the right connection Mm. to get the right answer. Obviously, if you're walking in in a lot of fear, what that medium's picking up on then is all the energy around you that you might be worrying about and it takes a really good medium to go, okay, you're worried about this but can I look to see if you really need to be worried about that or is that just your mind throwing a whole lot of stuff at me? The other thing that's really interesting about this frequency and why it's 100% important that we look at how our resonance is is that when the spirit world are trying to get close, imagine that they're a really high positive soft frequency 90% of the time they're waiting for you or me or us to be a positive soft open frequency so the way we really start communicating with them is how we learn to open to the frequency and change our own frequency to let it in and equally how good we get at using the languages and ways to connect to them to send message and receive message back 
And that's really the starting point. And so we kind of, we do that, like prayer is one way that we can do that. Right? And the power <laughs> and of And I prayer. know that you're like, oh my goodness, all these big chunky religious-based words, but I take that word back. I take prayer back. And so many people have a problem with it and I get it. And I did too. Uh, don't get me wrong. There was a period where the word used to get stuck in my throat and I used to call it anything else, invocation, affirmation. Just to you know, chat with my Yeah, I would have given it any other name, but now I am 100% like it is a prayer. It has always been a prayer and it's always going to be a prayer. Did you watch um, Beyonce's Homecoming? I know you did. Yeah. Beyonce's Homecoming, didn't you? Her prayer circle yeah. in that yeah. is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I like to think I look like that when I pray, but when I pray, I do it first thing in the morning as soon as I roll out of bed. So I'm pretty sure I don't look like that. Madonna's prayer circle in, in bed with yes. Madonna is also awesome. I love watching people pray. So the beautiful thing and amazing thing about prayer is that most people would consider it picking up the telephone and that it is about asking. It is where you get to express how you're feeling and what you need. But it's it's sort of more juicy than that. It, it is basically saying, I believe that a divine energy exists and I am calling it in to this moment to act on behalf of what I need and what I want. And I'm also asking it to remove all obstacles and anything out of alignment. May it be put back into an alignment where what I need or what is for the highest good of for me in this situation to unfold. And so it is a command of that spiritual energy and that direction. Yeah, it's as complicated as that, but I think it's also as simple, at least for me, as I just have a chat every morning. Mm. And it's just, it's like yes. I just get up and I just have a chat. Yeah, I just, and say what's on my mind. And I've realized that I wake up with a bit of BS in my head. Like usually I wake up and there's like, mm, I've mm. got to do this today and I'm nervous or I hated that thing and I'm still thinking about it and like it's all going around. And so the first thing I do is hand it over. And it's kind of become a running joke with me and God is that even every morning I kind of go, hey, here's all my crap. Um, I'd like to share it with you. <laughs> but then I also equally, and I'm go, and, and here's all my joy as well. Here's the stuff I'm excited about. Let's share that as well. And then I just have a chat and I'm like, this is where I'm at. This is how I'm feeling. I'd like to share this with you. And it makes me be present. It means that I have to, to tell somebody else how I'm feeling. I've got to be aware of how I'm feeling. To tell somebody else what I want, I've got to be aware of what I want. It just keeps me present every single day. And that, I think for me, that's what I really adore about it. Oh, I just had a proud energy mental mummy moment because I was just listening to you share that. And I have this very strong memory <laughs> of you fighting <laughs> of me being along a the journey uh, when I introduced the concept of prayer and so many people have a problem with that word, right? I remember us having that conversation. You're like, okay. And I think you confessed at the end of the year, I actually looked at the booklet and that phase of the work and I went, nah. And you did. I have a really clear memory. So the booklet arrived. We're doing prayer this month. I took one look at it and actually physically threw it across the room. I was like, that's not happening. Just no, just a thousand times no. And that must have been around kind of June, maybe a little bit earlier in the year. And I was just like, no. And then by the time we ended in December, yeah, I stood up in front of everyone and went, guess what? <laughs> Discovered prayer heavily into it. I now know how to pray. And it's one of the greatest things that's happened to me. So thank you. 
Thanks for being right. Yeah, and you will have heard me say nearly probably near on 50 times throughout that journey, if there is one thing I leave you with, it is your ultimate true divine connection and the power to pray for it to come in at any single moment. And I stand by that. That should be every spiritual teacher's journey because you don't need anything else. I remember saying to you, if you're sitting on a desert island and you can take one thing with you, you take the power of your prayer because it's like a genie in a bottle, right? It is access to anything, anywhere, anytime, in any moment. And you're right. Does it have to be elaborate God singing wordy angels and, you know, sparkles flying out of the page? No, it absolutely does not. And I went through a major prayer crisis when I first started on this journey. In fact, I was like, I think I shut the prayers down because all the only prayers I knew were everyone else's prayers, right? The ones that you stand mm. up and you say over and over again. which You've been taught as a yeah, kid. And yep. I, it's not that I disliked those, but they weren't mine. And certainly I didn't know how they were going to stop the suffering I was feeling in that moment while I was so sick, for example, with chronic fatigue and having to get thousands of blood tests or whatever it was. I just was like, okay, yes, I could say what the our father, but I'm not sure what that's doing. And I remember that in that moment, I was lucky enough to have somebody reach over and say, would you like me to pray for you or pray on oh. you? And yeah, mm. at that moment, I remember just staring at them like a starving person thinking, oh my God, I really got what a gift that was and the peace that came into that moment and it was just simple words right here right now this person's feeling this way yep. would you be able to stand in and comfort her and guide her through this day it was so simple and I had tears streaming down my face human so human. in some way can't it when somebody prays for you that yes we're connecting to the divine but if I'm there praying with you or I'm there praying for you it's human seeing human joining together asking for grace and it is gorgeous Yes, yeah, so the prayer partnering thing is really rocking and mm. it is where, you know, two or more are gathered, that whole thing, it really builds the momentum. It's how people help us along our healing journey and when it's done in it's the Beyonce divine reverence. Oh, yes. The, yes, <laughs> it is the, it's the prayer circle. It's the concept of the prayer circle throughout history certainly if you look at all the big stories, people have just opened up and asked for help. And that's what I think essentially it is. You can just say what's on your mind. And I think it's best mm. done in your own language. Like some days I just mm. go, hey, <laughs> I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> hey. um, I'm not feeling particularly vibed. I don't know there's any juice out there for me that would be awesome god speaks a universal language let's face it it doesn't matter if you don't have perfect punctuation it's true hey lynette you want to um read each other some of our favorite mary oliver poems oh, about prayer yes bless you mary oliver. i love her i love her yes you go first what are you reading so she wrote a piece called praying and it says it doesn't have to be a blue iris it could be the weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones, just pay attention. Then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but a doorway into thanks and silence in which another voice may speak. Oh, 
She's got it, hasn't she? It's not a competition, she it's a doorway. She knew Absolutely. what she knew this, didn't she? She, she did. All right. The, yeah, she got it. The one I'm going to read, it's not all of the poem, but it's from the poem, The Summer's Day. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Yes. And I think she gets the simplicity of prayer, that it is walking through the fields and noticing how beautiful creation is. It is putting together some rocks and that being enough. It is a doorway, not a competition. It, It can be, I think also it can be very simple. When I was growing up, Often it was shown as quite elaborate and a bit removed. You had to pray through someone else. And I think the real beauty of prayer is just, yeah, you, yourself, your God in a simple conversation. And so there are a few things that I do that sometimes really help this process. I might light a candle, you know. If I'm having trouble and I don't have the light in my heart, sometimes I'm crying so I can't get the words out. I just light a candle with the mental intention, Mm. may this burn as my prayer. Mm, Beautiful. Sometimes I just sit in prayer position, hands um, together over my heart and just hold my heart and say, this is my prayer. What is in my heart is my prayer. Gratitude can be a really nice prayer as well, like simply saying, I'm thankful for this. If you've got nothing else that you know how to say, I'm thankful for this. It's a nice, it's a nice prayer. Yeah, and Mary Oliver touches on something else, which is part of the prayer process, is that she talks about just the openness and the humility of being available to something higher, mm. and that's where I mean we've talked about this in the last episode that sometimes that can be a stumbling block for people because that feeling of coming to something and having to be surrendered or in somehow they feel diminished by putting themselves beneath something can be a block. Mm. But for me, um, and for I know many other people who have experienced the power of prayer, to to have been, as we talked about, in child's pose, to be on your knees in mm. metaphoric sense is where I think I felt that love the most. And you can't, it's not in a fake way. You don't come going, I kneel before you and I just want what I want. It's it's the feeling of I come to you in in openness that there may be something that I could be offered or be guided by, and that open openness is the first portal. I think mm, definitely. I think prayer and meditation go really well together. It was explained to me once, and I quite liked it. As prayer is asking, meditation is listening. Mm. So having a practice where you ask for something, you know, with a lot of love and gratitude is beautiful. And then having a practice where you simply listen is can be a form of prayer in itself, or it can be like a, a, a complimentary yeah. practice. Yeah. yeah, you could log on and Google meditation, and the lists and the conversation and the stories and blogs go on for days. The techniques, which yeah. is amazing. We live in a time where people you say the word meditation to a seven-year-old 
And they understand what they I have a three-year-old in my life who said mummy meditation and sat down in a meditation pose and he didn't have any pants on and it was amazing. He's definitely my nephew. But he's three and he knows what a meditation looks like. My mind was blown. Yeah, and that's an amazing point. One of the things that I'm really passionate about is that, and people ask me about this all the time and we've actually got a few people who've written in to us about this, about children and this practice. My big thing about children and any any of this is that I like to teach them the language of this world. So I teach my children mm. to light candles and to pray for things or ask yeah, for things and yep. equally ask them to sit and try and listen for the feeling or the answer mm. or or whatever. So, yes. God, nobody taught me this until I was in my 20s. And I was bad at it when I started. It took a while to get there. Well, I had a hippie dad basically and he used to always meditate at some point during the That's day. good karma. And, yeah, it's only now that I appreciate what he was doing over there in the corner. <laughs> at the time you're like, Dad, God. <laughs> yeah, oh. I was like, he's a daggy dad. But he <laughs> so was actually really awake. <laughs> Of course he was. I was the one who wasn't. So meditation, yes, you could Google for days about the perfect techniques and there's lots of people who have all these methods. But the truth is just sitting very still and opening your hands and your body to a peaceful place and being able to breathe in and out in fluid form deeply and just calming that energy and that breathing and that diaphragm and we can refer people back to the 478 breathing that we did and some of our earlier bonus sections because that's really why we started there. What part of namaste don't you understand? Sorry, he's meditating? Meditation is like connecting into the electricity of the universe. It's giving over the electricity in your head. I like that. And it's connecting into the electrical frequency of the universe, which allows you then to feel that that oneness and really be able to use the language of the higher frequency rather than the mental frequency. Hey, what's the difference between prayer and manifestation? Are they connected or are they completely separate? For me, they're completely connected, which is why I always teach manifestation with the power of prayer because I Mm. see, again, it's that beauty therapy and cosmetic surgery stuff. Yes, you can, you know, the movie The Secret, you can manifest through will and action and, you know, repetitive thought processes and striving and aligning your chakras to what you want. That is one version of manifestation. Yep. Mm. Uh, I believe as an energist and a spiritualist that if you combine the nuts and bolts, the mechanics of those actions with the prayer, you're adding rocket fuel. And also, you know what? You don't just want to be able to manifest anything. The point of this is to say there might be a higher reason why. I shouldn't be asking for that. Have you ever had that experience where you didn't get something you asked for and looked back and went, that was my answered prayer? I have. Yeah, like a bajillion times because it's always, I feel like it's, 
you pray for what you want, but you get what you need. Yes. And you know what I want? I want what I want. And it's generally shiny and it's pretty and it's easy and it's nice and it sparkles and I'll take it really right now. Thank you. And what I need is none of those things, infinitely more valuable, but none of those things. So then I have my wah, wah, wah. I didn't get what I want moment, but at exactly the same time, what I need is unfolding. And, and that is the difference, isn't it? When you put prayer into it, you're also putting in this acknowledgement of divine order order, and, and surrender. And I will accept what comes to me. Here it is. This is what I want. But I accept that you've got my best interests at heart and my soul's interest at heart. And I will accept what comes my way. And I'll try not to have a wah-wah about it. Yes. So, so if you look back at the 90s and in the, the 2000 era of this work, manifestation and selling people the power to manifest, which is awesome because we wanted to teach all those mechanics, is amazing. But alongside of this was another group of teachers also trying to teach the power of connecting to your spirit and your divine process and the divine order and the divine journey. And at some point when we hit the throat chakra, which we've just spoken about in the last phase of our um, podcast series, what happens is you might not get what you want, but then you might realize that the divine will, when you put that prayer out there or you made that vision board, was actually not the best for you and then you learn that the divine order is what you should be praying for. And I remember very early on in my journey there was um, a person that came to speak and they were from Scotland and they were a spiritual teacher and they said, I did not ask for the specifics of my partner. I asked for the divine partner who is my divine right in this lifetime. And she said, I knew that if I put that in, then of how can I lose my divine partner who is my divine right for this lifetime? Not um, six feet tall, nice butt, um, two million in the bank account. Called George Clooney. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like divine man <laughs> says or divine partner says, yeah, yeah this is going to work, right? So it is important to think about those things that if you're praying for – something that is a really third chakra expectation, it, it could feel like sometimes prayer fails you in a way. I also am a really big fan of that meme that's been going around recently that it's like, did you manifest it or was it white privilege? And you're like, yeah, no, it's probably white privilege actually. Like I think that does speak to this idea because sometimes my problem with the secret in that level of manifestation mm-hmm. is I find that sometimes it's just too material for my liking. It's like manifest yourself a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Who Nobody actually needs a Ferrari for their soul's journey. Everybody wants one. You don't need one. So I think when we talk about manifesting in late stage capitalism, it often does come up with a lot of money and shiny shit and actually that's not necessarily necessarily what the divine is interested in us having not to say that you can't have it but not so interested in it's not going to push you forward maybe yes absolutely and and I think it's been an entry point through the system we have been operating in to get people to switch on and realize their personal power and that activating and becoming the custodian of your direction and your desires is an amazing thing yet Mm. we also 
have that extra layer of this whole thing, which is that divine landscape that we're living in, the divine design, and that our soul, and this is that big energy inside of us that is all-knowing and all-encompassing and connected to everythingness, the oneness, the universe, has a plan. And it's about trying to return to that plan rather than trying to sculpt over the top of it. So, yeah, I I agree with you about the secret. And there was a layer in there where they went, you know, you just got to be patient. And this is the point where the seed's coming out of the dirt and eventually it'll come through. Yes, okay, I get that. But that layer of dirt is probably all the work we just spoke about in the last seven podcasts. And that could take a little while. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it was kind of misleading. And I always say my wait list went from one year to three years once the once the secret hit because everyone started coming to see me going, why isn't it working? Why didn't I get my stuff yet? Mm. I want my stuff. And I think one of the ways that we can get ourselves out of that trap of getting stuck in the um, consumerist view of asking and receiving, which is a little bit of a, I ask you for stuff, God, and you give me stuff and we call it manifestation, is to Mm. understand that prayer isn't just used for manifesting. That's really only one aspect of it. Yeah. I mean, the majority of time I use prayer, it's for connection, to ensure that that connection Mm. is available to me. And I mean that because it brings me comfort and it's my telephone line for my work. Like, And it's actually the reason people hire me in a way, like people want that muscle that I have built and that, that ethernet of energy to be available to them to ask a question. And so for comfort, for solace, I ask for protection equally, um, alignment. Yes. There's Mm -hmm. so many reasons Mm -hmm. we pray. Yep. Um, Clarity. Clarity. Understanding. Strength. Acceptance. Mm. Support. Yeah, all of those things. It is a bit like one of the images I I often give to clients so they can understand what it is that I'm doing. And you do this as well. It's the old-fashioned telephone operator, isn't Mm, it? It's like mm. plugging in, which is what prayer kind of is, is Mm. patching through to that which is higher. It basically connects you into those upper chakras and it draws in, if you think about it as a pump, it literally draws in the light down through the body, down into the base. Now, if you are praying every day, what happens is that muscle, it's like it just keeps flowing and flowing continuously. So if you miss a day, you miss a week or whatever, there's that saying that your grandmother's prayers are still protecting you. And oh, I stop it. I, don't. I, I have, don't. Cannot. Just because my grandmother, my granny Pat used to pray over I us know. all the time. And when I was a kid, I was like, Ugh. and now I would give everything I have to have her pray over me one more time. Oh, mm-hmm. and I'll mm-hmm. tell you this. My children, when they were in utero, were in trouble, really. I mean, it was a very complicated pregnancy. And my tribe of friends prayed over me and prayed with me. And I mean every day, like prayed, sent me pictures of candles. We're praying for these two babies. They were the first two babies to be born into our tribe. My children, when they see those people that prayed over them, are literally consumed with their love. Like it, they know they them. Know it. There is, and people are like, mm. oh my goodness, you know me. And I'm like, they know you. 
And there are so many beautiful stories like that, Kiralee. I I do want to tell you one about Carolyn Meese who tells this amazing story about this woman that was in a car and she was in a traffic jam and she was frustrated and irritated and she was practicing prayer and so she decided that instead of getting frustrated and irritated that she was going to be late, she decided that she was going to try and work out what was going on and she asked that the person that she perceived might have been in an accident up ahead was able to receive the help and love that they needed in that moment because she was like, I assume it's bad. Everyone is stopped. And she prayed and, of course, eventually the accident was cleared and she went on to work. Basically what happened was the person who was in that accident was having an out-of-body experience And when they did, they saw this line of light come out of their body and over to somewhere and they followed it and they followed it back to the car where the woman was praying and they saw the number plate immediately zapped back into their body, taken to hospital, put back together. After they were recovering, they could not get this number plate and this light and this energy out of their mind. They traced the person who was attached to the car and went and said, hi, I was in this accident. I saw this beam of light that you were sending through your prayer to me and I want to thank you because I believe you saved my life or helped me save my life. When we get into the world of of prayer, intuition, symbolic sight, it is so powerful. It's powerful and it's magical. We talked about miracles in our last episode, that it all is happening in the same place, right? Yeah. This is where the magical and the fantastical is. It's just real and possible. It's so reverse. It is. And it transcends time and space. And the thing is, right, we start the beginning of our life, no ears, no eyes, no voice. We do nothing. We're kind of roaming around in this big fluid bubble And it's actually like the best description of meditation. It's actually like what we're constantly trying to get back to so that we Mm. can then guide ourselves from an authentic place. And that prayer, when we start using that prayer with that stillness, it's like, oh, my goodness, it's like that's how the starting Mm. point of that new language begins. Yeah, so talking about developing this language and other aspects of this language. Intuition is a really big part of this and it's also one of my favorite topics and it's one of my favorite parts of myself. So let's get into intuition. What would you describe it as? What would you describe it as? And how do we tune into it? For me, it is that very deep internal voice inside. Now, Mm. when you say voice, everyone's actually listening, waiting for words. Mm. And what does it sound like? That voice doesn't just deeper speak than in that. Words. Time yes, so, it's it? a feeling, and to me, it's the feeling of truth and your truth and the the energy of your perfect compass or alignment point, and that energy can speak very primarily first off through a feeling in your gut. So when I'm teaching people... We call it gut instinct for a reason, right? And everybody, even though people sometimes like intuition, whatever, it's all woo-woo nonsense. No, it's actually primarily real. It's survival. Everybody knows what gut instinct means. Yes. And everybody has had a moment of gut instinct, absolutely just knowing something in their bones. It's a survival mechanism. The sixth sense is a protective 
mechanism first off. The intuitive energy is a protection sense for sure. So the gut instinct is the first thing after we learn to calm and we learn to turn on the ability to say, I am here, you know, be with me. And we've already talked about setting a circle of protection and calming the breathing and getting the grounding happening. But after that, what we need to do is really feel down into our inner self and say, what is a yes? Can I get a reset? What does it feel like? What does it feel like when I'm feeling a yes? And I always usually say to people, try and have a think about or a sense of something that was really truthfully a yes for you. Like you were somewhere, you felt amazing, you knew it was yours, you knew it was meant to be for you, you were right in the right place, right moment, right zone. That's your yes. Then we need to have a look at what does a no feel like and we need Mm. to really reset that sense of it's a no. That was a what am I doing here? I feel uncomfortable. It's not fitting. That's my no. So once you've got those two primal yes and no feelings, it's a lot easier to work with your intuition. And again, giving this language analogy, it takes time to figure out, was that a yes? Oh, no, that wasn't a yes. Was that my ego? I don't know. Was that my intuition? Was that a no? Did I, it felt like a yes at the time. It is a tuning, almost like tuning in a radio or something, isn't it? Yes. It's a refining yes. from listening. Yes. And so if we get the yes and we get the no and we practice that just through the day, you know, like I say to people, mm. should I have the apple juice or the orange juice? Can you feel? Oh I have done. You know, <laughs> so when and, I was turning my intuition on, it really was like going through the menu at the cafe and going, yeah, is it the, <laughs> is it the flat white or is it the cortado? What are we, which coffee are we having today? Intuition, <laughs> like so low stakes. Well, interestingly, the way you would ask that is <laughs> you would say flat white and you would wait to feel your belly. Yes or yeah, no. Yeah, so if yeah, you ask for yeah, one thing or the other, yeah. you're confusing your your communication yeah. by asking. I'd run my finger you... down the list and wait for the, yes, wait wait for for the it to kick in. But it, and it did. And then the other side of it is sometimes it meant that I'm drinking a coffee that I've never drunk before, that I'm not particularly interested in drinking, but I got a yes. So and so brilliant. We're having the milk right. cafe. Let's Follow go. Like... the breadcrumbs of that energy yes. through the yes. forest and the wilderness. Um, <laughs> just trust. There are three signals. There is a yes, there is a no, and then there is what I like to call the just wait. Now, if you don't get a clear mm, yes or yes. you don't get a clear no, then it is you need more time. You don't have all the information to get a clear yes or clear no. Now, if someone's saying, I need to know, then it's a no because you haven't got a Mm. yes. The only time it is a clear yes is when it is an absolute yes. If it is... You've taught me so many important things Mm. and one of the most important things is this, the 48-hour rule. Yeah. If you don't have a clear answer, sit on it. Yep. It's You'll fine. Get more Give yourself permission. Ask again to, yeah, 48 hours. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. interesting, and I don't know if you've been in this position where someone goes, I can't wait, I'm not going to wait. And I had this recently, someone asked me about buying a car and they were like, well, they can only wait. And I, don't, and I was like, well, you don't have a clear yes and the finance hasn't completely come through. So to mm. me, that's not a clear yes. Well, like, could I do this? Could I do that? I went, like, why? are you changing the parameters here? We do not have a clear yes. The money hasn't come through for you. I would say it's a no. If that car Mm. or another car is going to be yours, then it'll be there. there. You can practice this in very simple ways 
and it turns that initial primal response back on. And in our journey, that can be scrambled. So if you grew up in a family where you walk into a room and you say to someone, is something wrong? And they go, no, 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 no. No, it's no. fine. No, 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 it's fine. So your gut said, something doesn't feel right here. And then basically you've reset your no a thousand times. Mm. Then so that many can people be are so taught tricky. not to trust themselves. Yeah. yeah. And not to trust their own experience. And like, you know, gaslighting and relationships and in families and like we're really taught, yeah, we get really scrambled, don't we? And then so as adults redeveloping our intuition, it is that process of relearning and paying attention and listening and letting yourself trust yourself, starting small with the coffees <laughs> and building up big. And now you can see too why we started where we did because when you build up all this other energy and awareness, the grounding, the protection, mm. the relationship with your truth and your power, mm. the ability to say no and wait, to have yep. discernment about, you know, um, what the feeling is when something is pushing on your body and it's not necessarily the right thing for you, you can see why then to turn this on is so much better because if you just start while all these other channels are scrambled, you're basically working from an unclear space. You're working with those mm. computer lines all going everywhere. I have many stories in my life about incredible moments of intuition where like my intuition is just after I did the work and I developed the muscle and I got good at it, it's just saved my ass so many times. And one of my favorites is I was on yoga retreat, a remote area of Tuscany. We were up in the mountains, like we weren't on a road. You had to walk down a dirt track to even kind of get out of there. Um, and it was a really beautiful area, but it was like this house that we were in was 400 years old and one of the teachers was teaching an early morning kundalini awakening class and I hate getting up early I do not get up at 5 a.m that just does not happen but Me I too. wanted to do this I was like <laughs> I was like I'm gonna be a we'll good girl yoga at 10 go to, it's fine go to, no one said it had to be fine I'm gonna go to 5 a.m kundalini let's do it and I set my clothes out the night before to make it easy for myself and the deal was she'd come around in the morning with a gong and she'd gong to wake everybody up. So sweet. So I go to sleep and then she I hear the gong in the morning and I'm struggling out of sleep and I go to get up and I just immediately got a no, like one of the loudest, strongest no's I've ever had. And I doubted it because I thought I was just being a lazy bitch. And I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to Kundalini. And it was just, no, yeah, you're that not. That good girl, she can get you into so much trouble. And I was like, no, I, I think I am. And it was just like, no. And then I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> so I went back to sleep. Yeah. And But then I woke up a few hours later thinking, I don't know what even happened there. That's so weird. But I decided to put this clothes on that I'd laid out because I'd already laid them out. And I put the pants on, not a problem. And it was a bit cold. And I put one arm in my jumper, not a problem. I put my other arm in the jumper and it had been all folded up. It wasn't, the sleeve wasn't clear all the way through. And as I started to push my hand through, I felt a wriggling and I freaked out and I flicked it and a scorpion flew out of the sleeve. And there's no way 5am me would have not got bitten by that scorpion like I just absolutely would have and that like and I was just like oh my god thank god wow thanks for saving my ass yeah isn't that, isn't that wild That's um, yeah, I got to sleep in so and I didn't many. get bit by the scorpion win-win <laughs> <Yes. laughs> but it goes to little things and and right through to big things I think and mm. and it, but it all starts with this very basic yes no just wait 
that's the yes. the most primal way I can give you to start the experience. And I have an interesting um, relationship with this because, of course, my intuition was one of my gifts. So it was always on. So as a child, I was like, oh, I don't think we should do that. So I used to say for days that I think we should move that. I think we should move that. I think we should move that. And then, of course, everyone was like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And then an accident would happen with the thing that we didn't move. And I I was just, mm. I would just get so frustrated that I'd be calling rocks, 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 and no one would be listening. And so I had to develop a sense of, it, I truly understand that sometimes I am going to have an opinion or a feeling about something, a truth that other people are not able to see or able to yeah. respond to. That is okay, but I never choose away from my intuition ever. It's just, it's never led me <laughs> to a good place when I have. Um, I'm a dolphin, smart, intuitive. Fairly intuitive and psychic. I got a sixth sense about these things. So, you know, like we have this sixth sense because we're trying to protect ourselves. We're trying to guide ourselves. And I think the acknowledgement and the honor of that is once I get it, I'm going to use it in the best possible way. I'm going to speak my truth as calmly as I can, but I am a hundred percent going to stay with myself. And that's the commitment when intuition starts to flow, that you will do the work you need to do to use it honorably and powerfully and that's a lifelong journey and it is like having a friend it's not mm. always comfortable what your intuition has to mm. tell you it's not always easy you're not always going to like it but it will always be truthful and it will always be real and it does it's like this amazing guide that we have in our lives and we have other guides as well so as well as intuition being one of the languages or one of the ways of listening to the languages of the spiritual world we have a spiritual support squad this is the good news everyone we have a spiritual support squad that we're all yeah, working like around with squad. every day yeah and that are communicating with us through these languages so Lynette who's in it and how do they communicate with us yeah so we did a really good deep dive on this in a podcast episode called spiritual landscapes but basically we have our ancestors and our you know head guides that come with us into the entry of this journey and we also have our angelic helpers oh, and yeah at any given time usually it is our guides guiding us through life and our angels helping us through our journey within that life and our ancestors of course are sending us the love and the bridge and the support and the connection that we need and the way spirit world communicates with us and the way the divine communicates with us is through these beautiful spiritual winks and nearly all of these winks come through some kind of sign, symbol, you know, change in temperature, synchronicity. You know, it uses the clairs, the, the clairvoyance, the clairaudience, the clairsentience, you know, the ways our body can pick up signals to let us know that this is going on, that there's some kind of email from the other side coming in. Love a clear email from the other side. Sometimes it's a little opaque, not into that. Love the clear ones. Yeah. Well, it is. A, it, you've got to see it like a game. You've got to see it as though you're playing a computer a game, right? Them. Yeah. 
because we're living in the matrix. So it's a little bit like a computer game that you unlock, you get the lessons and then you, and the obstacles and you get through them and it unlocks the next level. It's how you keep moving up. Yeah. And your language with your guides might be culturally connected to what you know and believe in terms of what symbols mean for you. And the same would go for me. So you develop this kind of language, like for example, a feather, it might mean on the right path for one person and for someone else, it might mean spiritual support from a special loved one. Like it can be that particular, you know, when you get down to this. So I often get people to write down what their major symbols are. And one of the things I always do, particularly when children have lost someone, is I sit down and write down the things that that person loved that they lost and how we know that they would be around. And sometimes a little person will say, I can smell her perfume. It was violets. Or I've always seen a rainbow. We saw a rainbow the day she died and we're going to see a rainbow whenever we need to know she's near. And so on their fridge, they have a list of signs and symbols that they're looking for. And often the kids will go and tick them off or they'll talk about them when they see them to let them know that it's there. Remarkable when you tune in and you start asking for signs and symbols just how quickly the feedback comes it's almost embarrassing sometimes just how quickly you get the the symbol turning up it's like dude angels be cool stop flirting with me (laughs) you've already got me this is again something you taught me is tuning into symbolic sight and asking to see symbols as yeah as a confirmation or as a um or as a guide or for clarity it's great I think it's the purer language. When people hear mm. words and sentences, it can get a mix a bit mixed up in that mental landscape, you know. So to be able to say, wonderful, now let me know if I'm on the right path and you have a sign or a symbol that says you're on the right path, then you can't deny that. And I, you will know this, but I do this with a class and one of my symbols that I've always given my class is the white rabbit. And we set up the whole energy around it. And the day I taught this class, I got off the aeroplane, I drove home. And when I pulled up out the front of my house, there was a white rabbit sticker on the car in front of me. And it said, off to Wonderland. And I took a photo and I sent it out to the class and went, I think we're on our way. And (laughs) then the stories just start coming in about people learning to find this white rabbit. They're looking, you know, is it in a book? Is it in a film? You know, it could be anywhere. And and I love the stories. It's one of my favourite things to teach. You had a great experience with the white rabbit, didn't you? I had such a good experience with the white rabbit. I was in Pai, this place called Pai, kind of up in the mountains of Thailand. And I'd been really intensely doing some work and then, but it was feeling very blocked. I was like, oh, maybe I should take some time off. And you'd given me some cards with different teachings on them that I could pull. So I pulled two and one said, take 48 hours. And it was Friday afternoon. So I was like, excellent, weekend off. And the other one said, follow the white rabbit. And that one, I was like, whatever, like whatever there I'm, I'm in Thailand I'm in the mountains there's no white rabbits lady fine whatever and then I decided to walk into town for dinner and so I'm walking into town and I'd walked this track into town 15 minutes so many times and this day I saw that there was a sign for the white rabbit cafe and I nearly fell over myself I was like what 
that. Mm-hmm. And 10 minutes later, I was sitting in the center of this village in this cafe with white rabbits all around me, including one sitting on my lap. And I was like, yep, okay, all right, nope, follow the white rabbit. Yep, on gotcha. the right path. <laughs> and on so right many path. of those stories, I think somebody saw white rabbits under the Eiffel Tower of all things. Someone else delivered the first box of a business they had started to a house and when they turned around there was a white rabbit near the um, post box of the house. And so we want to play a little bit of a game with this with our listeners now, don't Mm, we? We've got something special brewing. So we've been given a symbol. I I text you in the middle, I can't probably know in the middle of the night because that's when the best things happen to me. Everyone's quiet and I get to see this amazing magic. But I got this image of the Wooverse and in it this neon flamingo and I was like, I think that our Patronus, our, you know, symbol is the flamingo and you were like, okay. Okay, and you messaged it to me and I was like, I was sitting on the couch in a friend's house that I was staying at. I was like, okay, all right. And I'd been in this house for a few days and then I looked up and there was a picture of the flamingo really high in their house, right up near the roof. And I was like, yep, no, yeah, okay, no, it's the flamingo, yes, (laughs) yes. And that's the thing. This is how you develop that experience. It's kind of like you start feeling there's something going on with that, you, you, you know, that symbol or that sign, it keeps reoccurring And then all of a sudden you start going, I think it means this or I think it's associated with Mm. this. And then if that is correct, you'll see it again and again and again. And like I said, it doesn't always have to be in physical form, but seriously, they blow my mind at the way they can do it. I had a client, God bless you, you know who you are out there, who was on the phone in the conference call for the group and she was like, well, I haven't seen any white rabbits And I'm really, really upset about it because the whole group has seen something and people are buying new houses and there's a white rabbit under the house and all sorts of things. And she's like, I'm not going to see my white rabbit. And she was going through a really hard time. And everyone in the group was comforting her on the conference call, telling her to keep going. There is silence. And in the next breath, she said, I feel a little... um, a little ashamed actually. I've just looked down at the bathrobe that I was given for Mother's Day and I've never looked at what the big white dots are on my bathrobe but I am literally covered in a (laughs) hundred white rabbits in my pink fluffy bathroom. You can't see the forest for the trees sometimes, can you? (laughs) I just air punch. I love it. I love teaching this stuff. It is where it becomes magic. So we are setting the flamingo challenge. We we putting the flamingo symbol out there for you to DM us, send us your your pics of you receiving the woo-reverse symbol of the flamingo. Let us know you're out there and that you're being told to spread your wings and let your colours shine and pop. And you can send them to us through our Instagram account. Uh, you can tag us or you can DM it straight to us, woo woo us on Instagram. Flamingos for all, I think. Now, the flamingo is used to all kinds of goings on. What happens if we don't listen? What happens if we're not listening to these languages, mm. if we're not seeing symbols, if we're not able to see the fact that we are wrapped in a flamingo um, bathrobe that we've owned for a few years and we haven't noticed? If, if we're a bit tuned out to this aspect of ourselves, yeah. what does that mean? What does that look like? What does that feel like in our lives? Anyone who's like tapped into this will start seeing it everywhere and you almost you, people hear it at nauseam and you're like, oh my goodness. 
yes, I see the dots. I can see the dots. Yes. Right. Okay. (laughs) But what happens when you're not tuning in? Yes, wonderful question. The pipes get a bit blocked up, that's for sure. The spiritual Mm. support squad is the most patient, committed group of energies on the planet. (laughs) So... I have had people who waiting to come and see me for a very long time and then they'll sit down and I'll say one thing and they say, I'll say, have you ever got that message before? And they'll say, well, and they'll list the different ways yes. that, yes, they have. <laughs> and I think, okay, it's been five years. That's a very long time and a big message. It might be a nice time to take it up. And like so to act on that. Yeah. Oh, they try from every direction you know honestly they'll use every word possible every avenue possible you'll be sitting in the middle of nowhere and someone will hand you the same pamphlet that you got two years beforehand they really do try we are very persistent if we don't want to hear this so we shut it off and shut numb out you know we walk away we go and do you know sometimes the the addiction to a destructive pattern is so great that you just keep creating chaos so you don't hear yeah. any of it. Yeah. For, you know. And our spiritual support squad forgive us every single time every they time. give us the message and we don't hear it. They forgive us every time they give it to us and we hear it and we ignore just it. Just imagine it like a little film of them going, <laughs> dolt, dolt, dolt. The amount of clients who come to us seeking, a, you know, with a question, seeking an answer. So we channel them the answer and then it's there, it's clear, it's laid out in front of them and they go away and then they come back a year later and they're like, I still have the same problem, nothing's changed. And we're like, well, did you, you got the answer, did you act on it? And they're like, look, no, I didn't. Mm. <laughs> I did not, but I still have the problem. What's that about? And it's like, well, I think, yeah, I think we know what that's about. And it's one <laughs> of the reasons I was reading for a long time solidly and then I went, now I'm going to teach because yeah. I, I really do feel that people should not be constantly returning. They should be getting yeah. the reason. And to the point now. Getting their own connection. Yeah, I, I can see that there were people who could not return back because they had not got to that point of being able to hear what was being said or being able to change or shift, mm, trying to keep yeah. life in these tight As lines. obvious as it was. Yeah, and yes. I describe it yeah. as though we have a inbuilt spiritual soul GPS and I got this image because we we were driving through France and we had this GPS and it I don't know it maybe it thought a road was there and it wasn't there but we ended up way off path and I was like wow <laughs> that's not good so I just decided to redirect to the nearest town rather than somebody shit that was in the middle of the middle of nowhere that obviously that was not where we were going and um we started going back and it kept like we, we're going off path recalculating recalculating I thought why are we experiencing this today and then all of a sudden I went oh, this is what happens. You get off path. Mm. You you think you're going the wrong right direction. You think you've set the right coordinates. And the truth is you haven't. And sometimes there's a massive recorrection, but there is a recorrection within us. And so it really doesn't mm. matter and the long how way gets you there much as well. you stuff it up. But it as gets well you there. The yeah, way. all roads yeah. lead to Rome, as we like to say. Yeah. <laughs> as they say. So divine recorrection is our friend and... But if you don't listen, what you do honestly feel is irritated, uncomfortable, disconnected, like you keep hitting a wall, like dope, dope, dope. And so if I have 
what I call a crunchy time or a tricky time or things that are like not smooth, I stop. I It's like refragging my computer. I go, okay, this needs to stop. Something is not working. Not it working is not here. functioning. Mm. I am not in flow. Mm. I'm not hearing something because the the constant banging my head against a wall on different things is the universe trying to connect into me to let me know that there's something that's trying to come through. A lot of this is connected to our ability to change as well. Often the reason that we, we ask the question, oh, this, I, this is a big topic in my life, I, I need some clarity here, I need to solve this puzzle, here's my question. Oh, great, there's my answer. I'm not going to do anything about it because even though I don't like this situation, I'm quite comfortable with it and change scares the shit out of me. So I'll just go with the devil I know rather than the devil I don't know, right? So a lot of this is about how we cope with change also. Yeah, and and the spiritual seeker by definition is actually – the person who is trying to receive transformation or Mm. to experience a sense of realignment or change. So if you come to this journey of I am going to be shedding a skin, I am going to be transforming, I am going to be changing and it will be joyful and it is my divine Mm. right and it is a gift to give this to myself to go from the caterpillar Mm. to the butterfly, then Mm -hmm. everything you receive is part of that process. There's a very special story about, I don't know if you know Findhorn. Yes. Eileen Caddy, you know, she started that from divine intuition and message. And if you read her story, it's an amazing story. It was not easy. There were things that were obstacles put in her path and she was asked to keep going and she, you know, her relationship broke up and it doesn't always have to be that messy. But it's a beautiful story in the sense that if she had have given up, anywhere along the way, the outcome and the product wouldn't have been as spectacular as it was. It, it was a, it is a gift to the planet and it is the basis of a lot of um, regeneration and farming and amazing techniques that many people are sharing with the world today. So she was very open open channel but still found it challenging so you're Mm. right we have to be versed in the language of change we have to be versed in the language of faith and strength and again it's going to keep coming back to this for a bit but you can see why we started talking back around these lessons in the beginning because once you go through those and you sit with all of that this level is so much easier so if you use your intuition to change your life you're going to find, oh, I've already done that once. I already went through that with myself. So I know how to climb that little ladder and it's going to be fine. So yeah, I say to people, go out and deliberately ruffle things up for yourself in safe ways. Deliberately, if you always Mm. walk to work the one way, try the other way. Walk the different way. If you always wear a certain shoe on a certain day, try something different. If you always eat the chicken sandwich, don't get what you always get. Yes, do something different to get something different. Yeah. 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 And so you can begin this process simply by doing something like changing your hair, changing your clothes, changing your bedroom around, saying, Hey, I embrace change. I let it in and Mm, I'm going to learn how to hold myself through it. 
And so this whole idea of energetic language and learning to speak this new language and understand this new language, even though it's encoded in us already, it's kind of the water that we're already swimming in, it can take a little while for people to feel confident and fluent mm. and able to speak and hear. It's a remembering. So the concept mm. that, you know, hieroglyphics are all symbols you know it's like well that's way back somewhere in our cellular memory that we used to speak and write in hieroglyphic symbols so maybe on some level we have that innate knowledge and we've got to tap back into these things the frequency of sound you know and light ancient emojis for sure these are languages we have to learn and the theory is that as the planet keeps evolving and moving through ages, that each time a ray of energy comes through that activates the opening of the next chakra and currently we're going through into the heart chakra and up into the throat and into the awareness chakras. So we live in interesting times. Equally, I think it's important that we develop the understanding that the stillness is where the starting point is stillness is where we go back to the neutral energy where the information stillness, can start to come silence. in silence yeah. yeah and the telephone line of hearing. prayer connection and even praying with someone else like practicing that prayer partnership experience where you just pray for each other and get that moving and get that going or just refusing to do it for a really long time and then finally doing it. Like that's the path that I chose. Maybe you'll choose a different one, whatever. Yeah, You do you. You do you. Seeing life as a series of um, breadcrumbs and looking at the treasure map, I love seeing life as my treasure map and going, wow, okay, I think I need to solve a puzzle or there's something mm -hmm. I'm not getting or what would happen if I moved over there and let's run that feeling? Nope. Okay. What about that feels good? And sometimes it's not what you expect. And I think the big thing there is letting life and the feeling of life guide you and it sort of brings you home. And as we spoke about the language of symbols and signs, really for a while just making it your mission every day. To really just look for the flamingo. Just go looking yeah. Yeah. for your flamingos, babes. Yeah. Lynette, it's been so amazing talking with you about all of this in English, talking about the language of energy. Yes, and angel and all other frequencies and Love dimensions. It. Love it. And if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, we encourage you to, in whatever language you're most fluent in, go to iTunes and rate and review us. In fact, we give you the challenge of, um, I want somebody to do a complete emoji review of the podcast. Why not? Hey, five stars, emoji it up. Thank you so much for listening. The Universal Treasure Chest on this episode is going to come out early next week and you are going to love it. So um, stay listening for that. And um, hey, Lynette, support you. Support you, Carolyn. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. The Woo Woo-verse is recorded and edited by our incredible super producer, Dan Zivkovic. We love him. And if this conversation has brought up anything for you or if there's any extra work you've realised you want to do around this topic, then please know that you do not have to traverse the Woo Woo-verse alone. We encourage you to build a support team around you and to do what you need to do to take really good care of yourself because you're amazing. So be good to you. <laughs>